Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is proudly sponsored by SSV Limited. From tanks to full brew houses, SSV Limited has got you covered. SSV Limited have established themselves as the go-to partner to help you grow your brewery. High quality tanks, parts, brewing kit, coupled with the knowledge and experience to ensure your project runs smoothly from beginning to completion, whether it's equipment supply, fully turnkey or anything in between. Their part shop stocks well over a thousand essential brewing parts to keep your brewery up and running, many of which are available on next day delivery. Visit their website on ssvlimited.co.uk. That's ssvlimited.co.uk. This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello, juice meisters, stout warriors, sour suckers, and lager lickers. <laughs> I couldn't think of how to end that sentence. And welcome to another sesh on the Hot Four podcast. It's a bit of a birthday celebration here at Hot Forward this week. Uh, Hot Forward turns two years old and our guest today, Unity Brewing Co, are also celebrating their fourth birthday. But before we come on to that, it's quite hard to believe that for the past two years I've visited more breweries and bars than I ever imagined when I first started my brewing journey seven years ago. I've grown a business in that time that's worked with brewers, bottle shops and other brands both domestically and abroad and this podcast has been listened to just shy of 70,000 times over the various platforms pulling in listeners from literally every continent in the world. I mean I'm not one to brag but fuck yeah go me (laughs) but uh, However, before my ego gets too overinflated, uh, probably like you, I found myself over the course of the pandemic that everything is taking twice as long as it once did. Uh, energy levels are low and it's just been a precarious balancing act between keeping the show on the road and keeping my mental well-being and physical health in check. As much as I love connecting with brewers over Zoom, it's just not the same as walking into someone else's brewery and taking a look around, admiring all the vessels and having some serious stainless steel envy and smelling the wort as it intermingles with the hops during the boil and just sitting across the table from somebody else, building a relationship and talking about their beer business journey. In short, I'm pretty exhausted. So given that Hot Forward reaches episode 100 around Christmas time, uh, whatever that's going to look like this year, I've decided that episode 100 would be a fitting time to take a bit of a series break. Now, before you drown yourself in Imperial Stouts and start listening to Celine Dion... As a creative, I found the best results come from a place of rest. I don't want to churn out content for content's sake, just like you don't want to make beer unless you really care about the ingredients, the process and what goes into it, blood, sweat, tears, lactose and all. 
once we hit the big 100, which fingers crossed, I'm working on getting a huge guest in the world of beer for that particular show. Uh, we'll take a break until next spring and relaunch with a revamped show and some smaller episodes full of practical advice, which I'm going to call Motivational Mondays. See what I did there? Of course you did. You're a smart cookie. You listen to this podcast. You must be intelligent. So I'm just putting that on your radar now. We've got some great episodes lined up for between now and then, including discussions on beer and music with Signature Brew Co., uh, Leviathan Brewing talking about upscaling, uh, Christian Barden from Kegstar on leadership and mindset, and a few other surprise gems. But this week, we turn our attention to Southampton's Unity Brewing Co., who recently celebrated their fourth birthday uh, this October past with the release of a special four-pack of collaboration beers. Unity is a 20-hectolitre craft brewery known for its modern hop-forward craft beers, including Cornflux Pale Ale and Collision IPA. In the past 12 months, the team have expanded into larger premises, uh, taken on delivery of their own in-house canning line, and have recently launched a side project, Made Provisions, which focuses on continental and traditional beer styles, uh, of which I taste and discuss on the podcast this week with founder and head brewer Jimmy Hatherley. We discussed the four different collaboration beers made with Duration, Howling Hops and Verdant to mark the occasion. Uh, their side project uh, made provisions, uh, Small Brewers Relief, a hot topic at the moment, and we touch upon various technical brewing topics such as water profiles and hops and talk about growth and capitalism. For those familiar with the show, uh, the conversation is a little more free-flowing than perhaps you might be used to when listening to this podcast. I blame that on the Imperial Stout I crack open. Uh, but either way, Jimmy was a cracking guy to chat to and he's brewing some fantastic beers and I'd highly encourage you to seek them out from your local bottle shop or by visiting their online store at unitybrewingco.com. That's unitybrewingco.com. Each and every week, we're partnering with Brew School to bring you the latest brewing jobs and careers in the UK brewing and beverage industry. And this week's featured job is with Belleville Brewing Company. Belleville Brewing Co. are looking for someone with at least one year of experience in a commercial brewery. Ideally, you'll be London-based and able to work flexible hours. The role and responsibilities will be assisting on a brew day and leading brews, cleaning and maintenance of brew plant, carbonation, labelling and canning and kegging, quality control and cellar management. And you'll be reporting to the senior brewer and you'll be expected to have a good knowledge of the brewing process. You will also be given exposure to all the day-to-day -day aspects of running the brewery and will give support as required. The ideal candidate will have a passion for craft beer brewing, be enthusiastic and curious, have attention to detail and the ability to learn quickly, and due to the physical nature of working in a brewery, you must be physically fit and able to lift and carry loads. The role is a full-time permanent position and offers the right candidate the opportunity to progress and develop within the company. The starting salary will be relative to prior experience and other benefits will include a pension and company bonus. 
If this sounds like a job for you, then please email a CV and references by email to info at bellevillebrewing.co.uk and applications need to be in by Friday the 27th of November. Brewing Jobs is the first dedicated jobs board for brewing jobs and brewing careers. So get ready for a career in brewing in partnership with Brew School only at brewing-jobs.com. If you like Hot Forward, then follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers. Leave us a review. Uh, we really appreciate the reviews we get and it helps to get the podcast heard by more brewing and beer professionals across the world. So uh, hop onto Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you digest your podcast and leave a nice little review for us. Or visit our website, which is hotforward.beer. If you're in need of business and brewery consultancy, brand development, marketing, social media management, and other creative services to help you get your brand noticed and get ahead in the beer business, then hop over to hopforward.beer and we would love to help you out. So without further ado from me, let's crack open today's discussion with Jimmy Haverly from Unity Brewing Co. Celebrating their fourth birthday and tucking in to an exceptional can of May Provisions Imperial Stout. Cheers. Today on the show, I'm joined by Jimmy Haverly, founder and head brewer at Southampton's Unity Brewing Co. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Yeah, it's going all right. Yeah, all things considered. <laughs> As all right it can be right now, right? Yeah, to- totally. Um, I mean, before before we um, knuckle down and crack open a beer or two and, and, and talk about the, the, uh, the state of things and put the world to rights, um, I'd love it if you could share a little bit about the brewery and, you know, things like how you got into the industry and how and when you set the brewery up and what kind of setup and beers you've got and the ethos behind unity and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. So we set up in um, late 2016. I think we sold our, our first keg on the 1st of December. Right. Um, so we've just celebrated our fourth birthday, which our fourth birthday, which is the anniversary of our fourth brew. Um, and I brewed on that exact day, uh, which was serendipitous. It was a Saturday as well. I didn't plan on brewing on a Saturday, but um, <laughs> uh, that's how that's, that was my ability to get a week off work last week and have a holiday before lockdown. Um, but um, yeah, so we we started. Um, I brewed at five breweries before starting Unity. Um, so I've been I've been around the block. I've, I'm just over ten years in the industry now. Right. Um, so I'd kind of uh, done my time. Uh, digging out other people's mash tuns, you know. <laughs> Felt and, like it was uh, time to finally dig out your own. <laughs> well, I'm not a very, <laughs> I'm not very compliant <laughs> as an employee. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I realised that I probably should just start out on my own rather than getting annoyed about how other people are doing things or whatever, you know. Yep. Uh, and um, yeah, just uh, I, was, I was living in London at the time, so um, when I decided I wanted to set up a brewery. Um, me and my wife were talking about moving back down to Southampton, our hometown, um, to do all the things you can't really do in London unless you've got rich parents, like buy a house, um, you know, and we wanted to start a family at some point and got a little dog that, uh, the parks in London are pretty good, but it's, uh, we, we're like a 10 minute drive from the new forest, which she loves. Nice. Um, so we decided to move back down to Southampton, brewed a couple more breweries down here whilst, uh, trying to get my head together and um, about 
what was it, about a year and a half, two years later after moving back here. Um, we set up Unity. Well, I say we, I set up Unity. My wife, uh, I'm very lucky, she works in um, marketing strategy. So I often say we set up because she, she, she helped me out quite a lot in figuring out all the bits that I wasn't so clued up on. Yep. Um, you know, I, I knew how to make good beer, but I didn't necessarily know how to tell people about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, um, yeah. And um, we, we set up originally specializing in Belgian style beers, um, which uh, we, we always had a kind of New England pale ale in the mix as well, because I knew that I wanted to make a beer for the people of Southampton um that they would really be able to get behind and um it, the bells and stuff would be a little bit of a harder sell and um but that's kind of that side of it is kind of taken over now as our main focus it's just kind of evolved that way i mean a lot a lot of it's to do with the, you know the demand it's really hard to sell bells and stuff beer you know mm. um but um yeah so that is that's our main focus is really hoppy beers um and and sat and sort of more interesting sour sour beers really um but we set up a, we, we we just launched actually a, a, a kind of sister brand a side project um called made provisions which is is my opportunity to bring back that original focus a little bit but with a whole different brand because people see unity really as a as a kind of hobby beer brewery you know and i don't want to kind of muddy that water yeah but i still want to uh, have a bit of you know brew some saisons now and again and knock out a quad and you know but for people to get it and it not it not kind of confuse people about what we're really about what unity is really about you know um so that's uh my little uh playground for uh bells and beers that no one else apart from me want to drink <laughs> see it's, inter- it's interesting you say that because i think the first unity brewing co beer i had was probably a um a like a Belgian stout. It might become in like beer 52 or one of those subscription boxes oh, okay, yeah. a, while, a while ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've got the, the, the birthday beers lined up here and I was like, oh, you know, cool. it's, it's, it's Monday night, you know, <laughs> but exactly. Lockdown is coming. So, and I, I said, you know, I, I did say to myself, I'm, I'm only going to have one of these. So I think, I think it is time to crack open a beer. So I think, it, I think it probably needs to be this one. Um, so I'm going to crack this open. So uh, whilst um, I do that and I pour this, why don't you just sort of, um, as given that you've just turned four, um, why don't you tell us some of the highlights over the last four years of what, what's maybe one or two of the like best things that's happened so far for Unity? Yeah, I mean, um, getting our first invite to London Craft Beer Festival was pretty big for us. We, we, we were one of the winners of the Raise the Bar um, competition sort of at the end of our first year in production. Um, what was it? Well, it was, it was during our first year in production. And um, they were really digging on our rye saison, which I've just brewed under the Mo Provision brand a week ago, actually. Um, and that was just awesome, being able to, you know, getting that recognition for what we're doing and, and pouring amongst those breweries was great. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of peers, but a lot of people that are good friends of mine, so it was really nice to go, here we are, here's all my beers that I've been talking to you about. You know, it was, it was wicked. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, we yeah we so we did all their festivals that year. We did Edinburgh, London, and Bristol, and that was just amazing. And then um, getting to do some of the collabs we've done, you know, it's been so awesome. Um, you know, so we brewed with Verdant twice now. You know, we brewed with Daya, um, Duration. You know, Left Handed Giant. Oh, we, you know, and there's you know, having those breweries kind of say, yeah, you're legit. Um, you know, come and brew with us, or we'll come and brew with you. You know, it's just it's 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 great to have that. You know, because all you really want as a as a brewery, you know, you want to pay the bills, but you want to have a recognition for the hard work. You're yeah, absolutely. That. The, a recognition for the quality of the product you're doing, you know. Um, so, you know, that's kind of, you know, that, that's really, that's always really, really cool. Um, we've we've had uh, consistently third place in every camera beer festival that we've entered. <laughs> got, got to love that. Mate, you've got to have that on a T-shirt, surely, on your, on your web shop. Consistently we occasionally, third. yeah. I mean, the ones that, the few that do keg and we, we sell to them, we, we've, We've always racked a couple of casks off like of conflux or something or payout for, for, for local festivals and um but yeah, and the couple the couple of the Cebra awards as well we've had a, we've had bronze medals for, for. <laughs> I just love the fact that we're constantly third place. You know, it, it's consi- it's all about consistency, right? Yeah, you know? there, there you go. You're just a consistent <laughs> brewery. So Cool. Well, I'd, I'd love to go through um, each of these collabs and ask some questions. So I, I was going to go in the order of like for days, for weeks, for months, for years. But given that I've, I've jumped in for years, I mean, this is a, yeah, this is a, a cracking You've made beer. that ultimate mistake that um, hoppy beer drinkers do and they, when they rate your uh, really nice pale ale, uh, like three stars because it didn't taste like much but what you don't know is that they just drunk a 9% of like <laughs> beforehand that, it, it is true so you just ruined your palate yeah <laughs> well I mean, given I'm just going to have the one this evening um, yeah so right. I mean to, to, uh, he's, he's a, um, he says at the moment a glass of water <laughs> yeah, one yeah. of those uh, I worked in wine before I, uh, before, I, before I started working in breweries and all the tastings, you know, you get those funny little uh, water biscuits to reset your palate yeah. every time. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, t- 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 talk about this one then. So, um, like, just the brewing process, and because I mean, he says only about um, using a Belgian yeast. I'm, I'm not really getting much of that kind of Belgian, um, you know, kind of banana-y, clovey flavour you'd associate. I mean, it's don't get me wrong; it's utterly lovely, <laughs> and it's 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 a yeah. lot. I guess it's drier than I expected. Um, maybe, yeah, and that's the Belgian thing, right? I was gonna say maybe that's the yeast, um, but I mean, talk me through the process of, the, of of brewing this one. Um, you know, just um, yeah. So it's um, it's 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 based around the stout recipe that I've been brewing since pretty much since I started brewing. Which uh, the first time I started brewing, it was like a it's like an eighteen eighty Truman's double export stout recipe. Um, a lot of people, a lot of breweries in London, like the Colonel and the rest of it, were doing that kind of thing at the time and it was it was the thing to do um and so and colonel just owned it better than anyone else um so yeah it started as that and then i've taken that recipe to a couple of different breweries that i worked that i worked for and it's just an evolution of that so when i started unity we brewed that as a beer called annum um and uh was it's a beer that we brewed every year actually um on a kind of near our anniversary and um it evolved from the the old recipe so um i'm really into stouts like hercule stout which is a really great belgian stout mm. and the dollars double the dollars double export stout 
which are pretty dry, but still got those lovely, uh, rich kind of coffee chocolate and like that kind of really old school stout kind of licorice yes. umami kind of thing, you know? Um, so it's very much like taking it, taking it to kind of to, to more that level. So it's a bit drier than, well, it's a lot drier than your average stout these days. Mm. Um, well, the average stout these days is normally like got frosting and pancakes and strawberries yeah. and just, like a final gravity of ten fifty and stuff like that. Yeah, know? but um, uh, you know, I love those dry kind of just straight up. You know, yeah. it's just an imperial stout, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love, I do love pastry stouts and stuff. So I can't drink very many of them because I, I can't drink uh, lactose. Um, but um, uh, I do like big silly beers you know? yep. <laughs> and they, they, there is no more big and silly than pastry stouts you know um we're brewing a chocolate and hazelnut big well not a big so it's going to be six about 6.7 percent something like that for for the season yep. um so yeah so see, back in the day that um, would have been a big stout yeah yeah right would have been like wow 6.7 percent a yeah, beer absolutely. that's nearly wine <laughs> well it's one thing we know in life is that everything changes right yeah totally yeah um, but yeah, so so um, with with that the the for years, which is the the fourth beer in our in our birthday set, um, I wanted to kind of take up level. We we aged in our in our first year, we aged the batch in red wine barrels, and it came out really nicely. And um, got the opportunity to get some really fresh Heaven Hill bourbon barrels, and I was like, cool, we'll we'll bung it in those. That sort of coconut thing that you get from those barrels is. Uh, just complements that sort of style so nicely. Um, so we chucked it in those, and, and we decided to do it as a collaboration, pretty much with ourselves. You know, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit Inception, but um, yeah. So we I wanted to do it as a collaboration, made provisions as a as like a kind of physical handover of the Belgian style stuff over to made provisions. You know, mm. because you, you we're not going to brew any uh, Belgian style stuff under the Unity name anymore at all. Or everything that we do like that is going to be under made provisions. So that's like the handover. Yeah, um, and 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 an apt beer to do that with, I think. You know, a big, a big celebratory number. You know, nice. Uh, it's a very nice beer. Yeah. I'm, yeah, too, I, I'm just, I'm half, having had a uh, bit of a session over the weekend. I'm having to, I'm having to <laughs> keep it quite slow, <laughs> but I can see that it's probably not going to end up that way. Cool. Well, well, let's let's go backwards then. So I was aiming to go for days, for weeks, for months, for years, but let's 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 go in reverse. Um, because yeah, cool. you know, uh, so yeah, um, for months then. So um, this is the um, saison with duration. So I mean, what what, yeah, was it, what was, right. did you yeah. do that at Bates and Miranda's barn in Norfolk? You go up there to brew. No, this is brewed. So all these beers are brewed at Unity, right? Okay. Um, and um, yeah, so th- that's actually our. There's a, a few things that are for uh, kind of four related in that. It's actually our, for, our fourth collaboration with duration now. Ah. Have you been? Um, have you been up there before, or? Yeah, yeah, I stayed with them um, just before lockdown. Actually, I stayed with them for a few days just to have a bit of R and R, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. Such a cool place, you know. It's the got a lot of uh, admiration for those guys put, taking on such a such an incredible project. Really. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Um, we're, we're we're talking. We we keep talking about every time like lockdown eases. We're like, yeah, wicked, right? Let's get brewing. <laughs> I'm I'm high risk, so I'm I'm not really going anywhere or doing anything. Um, 
So, I mean, I'd still say I'm high risk, although there's not any shielding anymore. But, um, yeah, so I'm trying not to not to go anywhere. Um, but once, once we can, I, I will. We're, we're, we're talking about what's ever already. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that beer is um, the first beer we ever brewed with duration was a, a, a like a table saison um, back in our old site. Uh, so we moved to new premises um, middle of last year, uh, double the size of our brewery. So a tiny hectare now. Um, so what, what were you before uh, you upscaled? Just 10. Yeah. yeah 10 hectare, little 10 hectare. Brewing two or three times a week, and now we're brewing. Well, we would be brewing flat out twice a week at the moment, but we're not um, because of obvious reasons. Um, yeah, so the 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 beer that that, that ignited me and Bates' friendship was uh, Taras Bulba. Um, drinking Taras Bulba in in uh, the Potterscat bar in Bruges uh, whilst playing foosball, uh, just chewing the fat. Um, kind of ignited our friendship uh, at Bruce Beer Festival one year. And um, so we wanted to brew something like that again. And we, we, we've done two collaborations as well with our, with our, our, our mutual friend Sam from Boxcar as well. Yeah, so, we, we, yeah, so we've done a couple with, um, with, with all three of us, um, which is always really fun because uh, we're all good buddies. Um, but yeah, so, so we wanted to do something that kind of um, harked back to that a little bit. Uh, and so really dry, crisp um, kind of farmhouse beer and, and uh, Duration's Grisette um, is is wicked. So I was like, cool, that's, that's when I spoke to Bates about doing a brew, he was like, yeah, let's do a Grisette. I'm like, yeah, wicked, definitely up for that. Um, so yeah, it's just light, crisp, smashable, little little table saison essentially, loads of wheat, flaked wheat, uh, a little, little tiny, tiny bit of like Munich, which just gives it a bit of... Um, kind of more complexity on the finish um, and spiced with um, grain to paradise. There's a little bit of orange peel in there as well. Um, yeah, yeah, and hopped with laurel, which kind of works with all those things really nice. Yeah, I like laurel as a hop. I did a uh, yeah, dipper once great. with laurel. It was a really nice um, nice beer. Yeah, we've got another one. Um, one of my favourite Cloudwater beers that they made last year, well, last year, this year even, or when was it? Last year? Yeah, one of their crop year series. It was a Laurel single hop and it was amazing. Um but yeah, so I've just done it we've just done a brewer actually that we're packaging at the end of this week, which is Laurel and Azaka and Juniper IPA. Right. Um trying to get a kind of a bit of a G and T vibe, you know, because mm. that all got that that thing going on, which is cool. Good days. Cool. So talk about um for weeks with uh Verdant. I mean, um, I, I I love Verdant beers. Yeah, they're wicked. They get a lot of the like the 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 too cool for school ultra hype people like start slagging them off now and again. I think it's bullshit because they make like the best IPAs in the country. Yeah. man. you know, like, they they they're awesome. Um, Have you brewed with uh, them before? Or? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So we brewed with them at our old site. Um, we did a beer that we launched at uh, Little Summer Beer Bash uh, the year before last. Um, <clears throat> and uh yeah so I, I just thought right we want to put an ipa in the series you know we brewed, we've, we've become good friends with um james and adam from Perdon and um just just thought right well who else better to to call up to brew an ipa with you know and um so yeah i gave james a shout and and he was like yeah wicked 
we had to make sure it was a big hitter. So we've put a load of fresh galaxy and some mosaic in there. Um, so it's a big dank tank. Yep. Happy you days. Know, galaxy doesn't hide itself, does it? It's, uh, no. <laughs> you know, you're going to know about it. Yeah. But yeah, it's cool. It's fun. It's just a big juicy IPA. We were actually, um, we were one of the breweries that trialed their new, um, we were the, probably the first brewery actually to trial their Verdant IPA dry yeast strain, which is the dry version of their, of their house wet yeast. Yep. Um, that we now use for pretty much all of our all of our beers. Yeah, so but, I, yeah, I had Andrew from uh, Lalamand uh, a while yeah, ago cool. talking about that yeast, and I, yeah. I, I must I got very excited when he was telling about. It. I was like, I need to, I need to get it for my beers, but I've mm-hmm. not been able to get hold of any. You know, I, th- I think yeah. there's, there's been um, you know as for all the kind of I don't like using the word hype um, around yeah. breweries that make good beer yeah. like Verdon do, but for all the hype quote unquote surrounding verdant it's like there's a load of hype surrounding that yeast so i've not been able to get any but i've heard amazing (laughs) things yeah we've got a pretty good supply luckily yeah it's really really nice it it does exactly i mean we um because in our old site we had you know i I stupidly instead of investing in some nice cementers where we could bottom crop i've I've got some um crappy dish bottoms you know take you take the lid off fe's you know that we've all had plenty of fun with in the past and um and we were right right by behind like a water treatment plant pretty much right. <laughs> so i was like well i'm not happy top cropping here so we we experimented a lot with blending different dry strains that are on the market to get the kind of character that kind of la3 conan kind mm. of kind of vibe um and we got pretty close with 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 blending a couple of different new strains and and we're getting quite happy with with what we what we're getting. And then Lanaman contacted me and said, "Do you want to do you want to trial this yeast? You know, because we 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 speak a lot with Lanaman trialing different different yeast and stuff anyway, because you know it's good for fun." Um, and and I was like, "Yep, great, brilliant. We'll give it a go." And I just loved it. It just did what I what the the flavour I was been trying to get. You know, um, yeah. In just one way, it's expensive, which is you know shame but it's 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 worth it you know um and yeah just it's making up his thing it's great it's really yeah. good it's it's just like you know it's obviously going to taste different in every single brewery and every single brewer that's using it um which is always quite nice because you know one yeast strain isn't the same flavor profile everywhere you brew it mm. you know um but yeah, it's working out for us pretty good. Yeah, you know, we're still playing with a couple of other things as well, but it's it's like a pretty solid. One. We, we were the first brewery to release a, a, a commercial batch with it. Oh right, okay. Uh, Brew with it before Vernon got to brew with it, which I was like, so yeah. When when you know when when we wanted to put this IPA together, we we're like, yeah, cool. It makes sense to to do an IPA with you guys, and it makes sense to use that yeast and. Um, it was all quite nicely sort of tied together, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because um, there there are certain yeasts that seem to kind of come in and out of fashion. I mean, mm. I know like particularly like with dry strains, which is what a lot of um, I guess smaller brewers yeah. use, um, yeah. you know, for logistical reasons or, or cost reasons, whatever. Yeah. Um, it was like when Fine. they first released the um, New England strain. And ever, Which is uh, shit. Oh, yeah, I I, I breed a terrible beer with it. I handed out. I used to work, work for Sheffield Brewery Company as the brewer, and I yeah. um, and I handed over to um, a friend of mine now called Marv, 
who used to work at Thornbridge, and um, he, with the first beer, like his first sort of solo beer, quote unquote, uh, was this beer called Lucille. And I was like, and he wanted to do a neap, and I was like, oh, mate, you know, Lalaman, I got this strain of yeast, you know, it's a New England yeast and all the rest of it. We, we underpitched, and um, it took oh, about God, 10, days, I know, 10 days to ferment. It was horrendous, <laughs> you know, so um, yeah. So unviable that yeast. Yeah, he got all the flack. But um, that was, if Marv's listening, which he might be, I, I apologise, Marv, in public. <laughs> to, to counteract really that, though, I did, I did, I, uh, for a beer that I brewed while I was there, I, I did win the national prize at the Seba Beer X year before last, So, oh, and, yeah. and he got up to take the award. So, you know, <laughs> karma and all that kind of works yeah, out. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people wrangle that yeast and make really good beer out of it. Like, I think um, Northern Monks used it quite a bit, and they, they you know, their beers were awesome. So Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, uh, have you got any tips on brewing big, juicy IPAs other than uh, having the right yeast? <laughs> Water and, well, the yeast is like the, the not even part of it, really. Um, water treatment is, water treatment, temperature control and yeast health is the, is the, is the ultimate thing, really. Um, What's the water like oh, in Southampton? Water is quite similar to London. Right. Quite high calcium, or calcium is like 120, um, which is high. Ideally, I'd like to go below 100, but that's our base water, and we don't have a fancy RO plant or anything, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have to work with that. We try and kind of bring the alkalinity down a little bit with acids and get a balance, but, you know, um, it's otherwise it's quite low on the, the ion, like your, 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 calcium, your chloride and, and sulfide ions is relatively low, so we've got. We, we can kind of add on it's pretty good for bringing um apart from the, the calcium obviously it's really it's really good for bringing saisons and, and and lagers actually um but we oh, play right. around yeah, with yeah. to try and get a balance it's something that constantly annoys me because i can <laughs> you know when like you can taste things that no one else can taste in your beer oh you know? yeah <laughs> and i'm like can taste that just that extra that 20 <laughs> grams per litre or whatever a milligram per litre of uh uh of calcium i can bloody taste it every time but everyone no one no one else can be able to you know so i shouldn't probably worry about it too much but yeah but it's that creative perfectionism right? in you though as a yeah. brewer isn't it i mean it's i i seem to be able to detect acetaldehyde you know like nobody's business in a beer and yeah. I, I remember um, and it's only because like, i remember when i first got into brewing i had a commercial license to do it from home but i upscaled yeah to 100 litres which was like at the time was like massive yeah. you know to sell yeah. some beers for Christmas and the um, the pale ale just it, it had that green apple kind of flavour yeah. to it and I, I for ages I was like can you taste that and it was like oh it's just really nice I'm like there's something wrong with it oh, yeah. no, it's, it's fine man I'm, like, I'm telling you there's something wrong with that beer and I like I, I had to nerd out for like you know a week of yeah. just up at night reading on the internet what is that flavor and then i kind yeah, of narrowed it down to that <laughs> and in and, and now you know if, I, if if there's a beer you know that has it in you know i'm just like i can tell what it is straight away yeah i'm really sensitive to diacetyl and it just ruins everything yeah <laughs> um, and sulfur i've got really sensitive to yeah it's a it's a funny one really i mean i think it's important to you know to constantly be striving for I was listening to a wicked podcast. I think it was um, Beer and Brewing Magazine's podcast. And someone was talking, they were talking about this This guy who's a bit, talking to a guy who's a beer judge. I can't remember his name, apologies for that. Um, 
but and I'm going to totally quote him and steal this quote, but it really rings true with with my thought process anyway. Is that you can go into you go into a room right and the fridge is on, you don't notice it, you don't know the fridge is on at all. It's just white noise in the background. You don't even think about it, and then all of a sudden someone turns the fridge off, and you're like, ah, oh. you know, all of a sudden like <laughs> the room's got a bit brighter, you know, and and you can sort of you get a bit of clarity in your mind all of a sudden. You like it's just everything's just opened up a little bit. And and I see brewing like that in a lot of ways that yeah that you know our beers I think our beer is excellent and and we get really good response for what we do but it can always be a little bit better because you know you can just make that tiny tiny little tri- tweak and all of a sudden you know things just open up a little bit that you know someone just goes oh yeah that beer's you know that that does taste better actually even though they really liked it before and they're like oh you don't need to change anything if you change that little one thing that they didn't know was there all of a sudden it's like people people say often you know people don't know they don't have you know most people don't don't care you know whatever you know like they're, they they just want to drink a nice beer but they know which one's nicer they don't know why it's nicer but they know it's nicer and it's that attention to detail which is that which is which is what is that is that dif- is that real difference? Yeah. Well, I always think the devil's in the detail, and um, it, it is all those little things. Um, I mean, I, I do still brew. Again, I'm I'm back having worked at commercial brewery. I'm back to just w- one barrel in it now in my cellar. Yeah. Um, Got to keep the dream alive. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, yeah. But you know, it's like uh, the experiences I've had. You know, it's it is all about those little details, and yeah. um, it was. I think it was about. Three or four years ago, I was on um, the BRX, Ciba BRX um, final judging panel. And mm. before we did the judging, we had a like a sensory analysis, um, like lesson seminar yeah. thing. And um, I, any brewer that's listening to this podcast now, like if they've not done one, they should do one. It's such an eye opener in terms of like, you know, going through all the off flavors. This is what this tastes like. And, you know, and obviously because they, they give you like a, a, a uh, premium lager um that sure remain nameless no. <laughs> premium no, Brad Beard knows what yeah. Is in the <laughs> yeah, yeah. and um yeah here's here's the uh what's it they call it the um the one with nothing in it like the control beer control beer the yeah, control beer right. yeah and um yeah and you know and and having um this beer that's just like you said like riddled with diacetyl or whatever and you're just mm. like you know or that's oxidized you just like yeah, so but it's 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 invaluable, you know. I, I remember um, a landlord phoning me up um, during my week off between Christmas and New Year, saying, "Oh, this beer soured." I'm like, I don't see how it can have soured. He's like, "Soured? I'm telling you, it's soured. It doesn't taste right." And I, I went down to the pub mm. and um, tasted it. I was like, "Oh, that's that's not soured. It's oxidized." Yeah. You know, and I knew straight away what it was. And it, yeah. but I, and I do find it amazing. That there's a lot of brewers that can't tell what those off flavors are mad really I, mean, I feel quite lucky that because before I, before i started in brewing i worked in wine and i and i did my diploma in 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 wines and i mean that's a really hardcore tasting mm. um kind of course and exams you know so i got to train my palate pretty pretty well there uh doing that and i think that's helped me to know what's going on in my beer a little more yep. because I've always got that approach you know from 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 doing a lot of sensory analysis um 
to then becoming a brewer, the sen- you, you, sensory analysis isn't something that necessarily a lot of brewers are natural with because they just drink it and go, is it nice or not? Rather than going, you know, let's really pick it apart and understand exactly what's going on. Well, I'm not a technical brewer by any means and um, and never and never have been and probably never will be, but I'm, I'm a very, um, I guess, holistic brewer. You know, I, I work backwards, like, you know learning learning to 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 brew properly was always how do i make something taste like this mm. or why is it tasting like that you know and and working my way backwards rather than you know working out the theory and seeing how the theory applies to beer it's applying uh the theory to the beer rather than the beer to the theory yeah um, i mean i mean i'm a musician as well and it's it's yeah. like um, yeah. it's you know it's like when there's a song you know and i'll say to my wife in the car or whatever, and I'll be like, oh, man, it's that bass line. And then, like, she'll be like, how can you hear that? Or like, oh, man, that guitar part in the background. Man, yeah, what guitar part? You know, you can pick all the little tiny bits out and stuff. And, um, yeah. yeah. Cool. Right. So l- let's move on to uh, the last one then for for days, uh, which you do with yeah. Howling Hops. So this is a peach and apricot. Is it? Now, I've always wondered, is it a gooza or a goes? Or how, how do you pronounce A gooza. People people seem to pronounce pronounce it differently, and then yeah. So you know, you've got Gers, which is which is a uh, which is a very different beast, right? Uh, and Goza, so Goza is like a, a, a sort of lower. Gers is your is your which a lot of people get confused because they sound similar, but Gers is your is your spontaneous three year blend of of lambic beers, um, but whereas a Goza is a Goza now is a quick sour. Right, right. A lot of people put fruit in, um, which is cool because we like doing that too. <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, I mean, this, this one's fermented with Lactobacillus helveticus and yeah. um, Kvike. Yes. So that's that. So, I read that and I was like, that sounds interesting. I should have gone with this one, but the, the stout, as always, lured me. When in doubt, Imperial uh-huh. Stout. That's my. Yeah. Time. There you go. Um. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it literally takes days to brew that beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we don't we don't kettle sour. Um, I've, I've never really got on with kettle souring so much because I think you it makes a very... It can't, you lose a lot of complexity, and I don't like what boiling soured work with a load of kind of reboiling proteins and stuff like that and what that, what that does. And so we, we sour in FE... So it's live bacteria, right? No, um, and yeah. So we do uh, an lactic fermentation to start off with um, to get it down to pH. Then we add the fruit, and then we add like all at the same temperature. So it all happens at thirty-eight degrees, um, which is great because it means we don't have to mess around with it at all. It just we just let it do its thing. Um, and I think having the bacteria not getting boiled off and being alive adds a little more complexity and it makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, and, and, and it's really clean, you know, it's a really clean way of, of brewing sour beers. Some people like are worried about that, but the strains of lack, the Helveticus is our, well, our favourite one to use. Um, I mean, it's sensitive to about four IBU. So even if it was decide, decided to go rogue and spore form and us not be able to see IPA out as well as we like to think we do, um, and our processes kind of 
you know, you never know. You can do all the processes you want, but you never know what's going to happen sometimes. Um, uh, it, it just won't grow because we don't brew any other beers at that low IBU, you know. Like our lowest IBU beer is our culturist is about 20 IBU. Um, so, there's, so there's literally no, no cross-contamination danger at all with it. Um, so I, I recommend anyone give it a go, really. Um, it makes a, in my mind, it makes a more complex, much cleaner beer. Yeah, I thought the Helveticus was the GMO yeast, or am I getting that confused with? No, it's not. Is no, that the Philadelphia. That's not lactobacillus, though. It's just a lactic acid producing right. yeast. So it's Saccharomyces that produces lactic acid. Right. Um, that that one, the the, the Lanham ones, like I can't remember what it's called, like Florida Vice. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Philadelphia. I think. There you go. There you go. That's the badger. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's how we do it. And, and given the fruit full fermentation as well, I really like just because it makes the Gewalt do interesting things. It, it kicks out some more interesting esters and stuff when it does mm. it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, it just, uh, you know, we're, we're, so we're, we're about to start a whole series of, of you know, we've, we've been kind of honing our, our, our sour beers that we don't do, we haven't done that many of them really, but we, we, what we have been doing, it's never been like a big part of what we do, but we've really been honing um, our, our process and our technique with, with it. And I'm really excited about the beers that we've been making that and Gardenia, which is a summer, summer berry goza that we brewed before. And I think the additions of coriander and sea salt, which is traditional in the goza, yep. really lift that. It just gives it a kind of almost a sherbety character, having that salt in there. Um, because obviously, you know, whenever you cook a, bake a dessert or, you know, cook a dessert or whatever, you always use salt to accentuate that sweetness. You know? mm. It's the same with like water treatment, right? You use your, your sodium chloride. You've got all those lovely chloride ions that do all nice things. Um and um yeah so i think it's just it, it, it's just really super into what 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 those beers are doing and um so we're going to do a whole series that we're going to probably call um uh, preserver because it's it's very much it's like creating a preserve you know it's a lactic fermentation yeah and so we're going to and and using um kind of more i guess like traditional English fruits and stuff and, and taking some influence from it all ties in quite nicely, you know, with the salt being a preservative and, 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 you know, traditionally people preserving things with salt and lactic fermentation being another way that people preserve stuff. And then obviously taking that fruit preserves quite literally. Um, it's a really, it's going to be a really fun, um, kind of thing to do because we, we've made like a really, um, deliberate decision at the brewery now to um we spent the last four years playing with a lot of different things and just trying stuff out to learn more about the beer that we make and and get better and better and i'm really super happy with the direction we're going in and so now we're at a stage where everything we brew has to have a proper reason um rather than just banging out a load of one-offs just for fun Hmm. so and the preserver series is part of that you know that um to 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 explore that part of our very you know Englishness in in making like some preserves you know get the doilies out <laughs> yeah um, and you know pushing that side of sour beers rather than going the the tropical route you know yeah 
Um, and and it's, it's exciting. I'm really, really excited to start that project in the new year. Yep. Yeah. I think it's going to be wicked. So, I mean, it, it's inevitable sooner or later um, we'll be talking about COVID and the impact it's had on your business. And yep. b- by the time this episode comes out, you know, we'll, we'll be a few weeks into lockdown version 2.0. And I mean, <laughs> who knows? Maybe we'll be on the other side or maybe we'll even have a new American president by then or, or maybe Being not. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I hate we need to think. a bit of good news, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, at, at the time of this recording here and now, at the start of November, yeah. like how are you feeling about the whole lockdown thing and what kind of impact do you foresee it having on Unity? Well, I'm trying not to let it uh, completely destroy my mental health. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was it like first time around? Really hard. I mean, the first, it's almost a bit easier this time around because we we, we at least know, have uh, some systems in place, you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's terrifying. Like, I mean, as I was saying before, I'm high risk. I, 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 I have Crohn's disease. I, I, I take um, um, immunosuppressant right. drugs to, to stop me from getting seriously ill. Um, and so through the first few months of... Of, of the lockdown stuff I, I was at home the whole time um and my assistant brew was just slugging it out wow um, and uh so that was really difficult being away from the brewery and you know not you know the fear of what would happen if i did get covid and what that would do to the business and the livelihoods of my employees and um you know also you know my family and all the rest of it it's 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 terrifying and, and and then and and also what it's doing to other families mm. you know and then take the health out of the equation and what it's doing to people's livelihoods it's absolutely bloody terrifying yeah so it's really scary in, in, in it you know as i was saying like people's livelihoods and stuff and and but if you keep if i keep keep thinking about all that sort of stuff i'm just gonna have a mental breakdown mm. you know, so um you know, I'm not ashamed to say I suffer with anxiety and depression, and it's it's um, and PTSD, which is a great combo. <laughs> yeah, um, and so it's uh, um, it's really really hard to um, not think about those things, but you have to not think about those things because you have to carry on. And as much as I want to be thinking about other people and 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 do what I can, I mean, we do what we what we can. You know, we did a Black is Beautiful beer for Black is Beautiful, and we did uh, the Brugada Water Aid beer. So we, yeah. we actually we we've even during all of this crap, we've donated five grand to to really important charities and organisations. Um, but um, which which <laughs> you know at least we'll have some karma. You know, even if we don't make it through it, we need to be able to hold our hand up and just be like, you know, we we at least contributed to society. A yeah. Bit, you know? <laughs> um, but but you know, you just have to focus on making sure that you know my employees' jobs are, are safe and and that we can keep making the beer that people want to drink. Yeah. You know, and, and 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 exist through it. You know, it's it's. Um, I think that we'll get through it. Um, and but it's going to be it's going to be bullshit <laughs> you know it's yeah. it's really hard work to do it but i just have to fo- i just have to focus on the product give my team that are, uh, are running the web shop and 
in our retail, um, you know, we've got a tap room at the web shop uh, at the brewery, which is just obviously going to be operating as a retail, as a shop um, for this for for next month. Also, having like nice and just sort of trying to give them the support that they need to mm. to, to keep doing a great job they're doing on that, and and just making sure that we can we can do everything to get the beer out to people as much as as possible, really. And yeah. And you know we're, we're trying. We're thinking of different ways that we can try and help support the bottle shops and the bars a little bit, while still not. <laughs> it's difficult balance, really, because it's like, you know, our volumes have been drastically reduced. So we need to make sure that we're making good margin on the beers, but at the same time, we want to make sure that we're supporting the people that that are our lifebloods, you know, and yeah. the people that. Are, you know, a bit, talk to their customers about, you know, the bottle shops and the bars that say, hey, try a unit beer because it's great. You know, we, we need to make sure that we're, you know, giving a hand to them, even if it's just the service we provide or if we can do something, you know, with some sort of discount, I don't know. But we, we want to make sure that we're, we're doing all of those things. But it's a lot of different things to have to deal with at once. Yeah, totally. And that's the really hard that's one of the hard parts about it, you know. There's so many. Normally, you just run a business, man. <laughs> Make I mean, really that's, good beer. That, that's tough <laughs> enough as it is, you know. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, throwing all that into the mix. I mean, I've, having had the stress of running a brewery myself, um, you know, and, and the cash flow issues and all the rest of it, you know, it's it's yeah. just like the, the problems often are unending. You know, if if, if it's not like a fermentation issue or equipment issue you're dealing with, you know, then it's it's a customer issue or whatever. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I think it's, um, one of the things I love about the beer industry, which you just sort of highlighted is that, um, you know, there's so many other industries out there where it's, it's all just about profiteering and, you know, what can I get, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas expansion, expansion. Yeah, exactly. You know, whereas, whereas the beer industry, you know, you you just said about supporting, um, bottle shops and all the rest of it. Now as, as a brewery, you could make more margin selling direct to customers. But I've, I've loved watching breweries. I think um, it might be a Utopian brewery, actually. I spoke to um, Richard a while ago. And, um, and you know, he said, uh, we did a podcast, and he said at the end of it, I said, where can people get all of your beers? And he said, well, first and foremost, I want to encourage you to go and buy them from your local bottle shop or ask them. Yeah. You know, yeah. this was during lockdown as well. And, um, you know, similar thing that you just said, you know, it's, it's like, um, yeah. like, pubs and bars and bottle shops have given breweries support for decades you know mm-hmm. and it's kind of time now for breweries to to do the same particularly with um again yeah. the time of the recording this might be different by the time it comes out but the government stands saying that actually this time around pubs can't won't allow takeaway alcohol yeah it's a gray area that needs some clarification i think that I mean, it's going to be interesting when this comes out, isn't it? What we're saying. Yeah. It's bullshit. Um, <laughs> but I think it's just to stop places selling open containers. Yeah. Um, because they can't they can't stop an off-license. You know, off-licenses are deemed as like an essential shop or whatever. And, and they let pubs sell, you know, if they don't let the pubs sell takeaway alcohol in sealed containers and in cans and bottles, and they stop the bottle shops from selling, then that's 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 the death of the industry, you know. Yeah. Um, to be bleak, but I'm sure that they'll they'll clarify what they mean by that. Yeah. And I think what they what they don't want to see is people taking open containers and drinking on the street, you know, because 
you go to the chip shop and you start tucking into your chips before you've even before you've even left the chippy, right? Mm. And um, but um, so I think that's what they're trying to avoid. And they just like everything else. They've not thought about it properly. <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise. Yeah, it actually affects people's businesses, and the, you know what what that actually really means. And and the government's uh, messages, as per usual, completely clear as mud. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I saw a few clips of Bojo today talking in the House of Commons. You know, people asking him directly, and he's yeah, oh well, 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 well. He's just like you know, the art of he's like a slippery eel, isn't he? You know, he's such an art to it, and not answering the question by saying something completely different. Then he talks about you know um, golf. Oh, whoopie do, you know. I'm just surprised when anyone's surprised. (laughs) What did you think you were voting for? Crying out. Yeah. This is what you voted for. That this bellend. Do you know what I mean? Like it's literally like (laughs) no one should be surprised that he's screwing it up this much because. That's that's what you that's what you've vote you know that's literally what you voted for. He's you voted for a complete and utter moron. Um, well, I don't think he's a moron. He's, he's a very intelligent person. He's just an absolute sociopath and has no no care for anybody apart from himself. Yeah, and, and they was, all do in his bloody cabinet. So while we're talking about the government <laughs> and uh, another impending storm that's on the horizon is small breweries relief. I mean, what, what what's your take on all that, and how and the proposed changes? So we're, and we're just under two thousand hectolitres a year, right? Um, so you'll be coming up to the new "quote unquote" cliff edge. So we were going to be going over it this year with our plans, uh, with with what we planned this year. Mm. Um, you know, we would have probably hit about two five something like that. Yep. Um, and you know, with 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 the aim to hit three thousand by the end of next year. And so that's basically completely, until I know what's happening, I'm assuming um, we're not going to do any expansion at all. Um, which means that, you know, we made a member of staff redundant this year um, in the brew team because I'd staffed for expansion. Yeah. So it was a seamless expansion rather than like working everyone to the bone. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden before getting new staff in, you know. Yeah, so so it's put a massive halt on that, and and it and it, it's kind of meant. I mean, the combination of COVID and and, and that's meant that um, I have to be really really cautious, and that meant making a member of staff done, which was really really hard for me to do. Probably a bit harder for him getting his job lost, but luckily he's found a wicked job at another awesome brewery. So um, he'll be all right, but you know you never want to put someone in that position. Mm, totally. Um, and you know, so so it's 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 really bad, and and it it just means that you know we'll we'll until it it basically just means that if that does go through, we're not going to get any bigger. I'm not going to be able to employ any more people. Um, I'm not going to be able to expand what we do and grow as a business. Like, I mean, I don't believe in growth really. Is a I believe in in growth being something you do to make your beer better rather than to make more of it yeah yeah Um, totally and responding to demand rather than creating demand but that's my own personal take on it um you know so it's 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 stopped that and for a lot of breweries it's it's you know especially so let's look at the breweries that have been most affected by and the breweries that are closing because of covid are those cask led breweries 
because cask is a volume it's a volume thing you know it's all about volume yeah one of the reasons why we didn't do cask i mean we've 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 wrapped the occasional cast, but I, w- I didn't want to be chasing volume all the time. And, mm. and in order to, in order to make cast work, because the margins are so small, you have to produce a lot of volume. So a lot of car- most cast breweries are over twenty one hundred, you know. And and this year has been it's been so so hard for most cast their breweries. They've had to completely change their, those that are surviving. Have had to completely one hundred percent change their business model, you know. And you've got people like Pictish canning beer. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's um, and good on Cloudwater for for making sure plenty, it's getting in plenty of people's hands. Um, you know, it's like that's what I worry about because it's. I mean, one of the brilliant, unique things about the beer industry is that our competitors are our friends and peers rather than competitors. You know, mm. it's, there's no other industry like it. You don't hang out. You know, bakers don't hang out with each other like discussing proving times. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They keep it secret. So that so it's, you know, yeah. so it's, so it's unique to them. Whereas like I'm, I'm an open book, you know, and, and a lot of my peers are and, and it's, and we talk to each other because we know that a really vibrant beer culture is essential to all of our businesses. Um, and something that a lot of, something that a lot of people don't talk about anymore is, bringing new drinkers into the fold you know it seems seems that everyone's trying to sell to the same people which is not very good for the market Mm. Um, just touching on that i think it's interesting with um certain like facebook groups you know that exist um you know i I check facebook about once every three weeks (laughs) you know if i was just getting into craft beer now and i joined a group like that you know it's savage you know it's like Exactly, you know, and um, elitism should have no place in craft beer. No, totally. I remember mm-hmm. when I first started brewing, um, like home brewing, and um, discovering like the smell of hops for the first time, and um, yeah. being like, Oh, I know what they put in Jaipur now. And then I remember buying some Nelson Sovin and being like, Oh, I'm never gonna be one of those people that's like, Ooh, I can smell the Nelson Sovin in that. <laughs> Whereas, you know, now if this one's got Nelson Sovin, I'm like, it's Nelson Savit, you know, and then I have, to, I have to kind of kick myself, be kind of like, you know, the, there's yeah. a great uh, video, Australian video that came out a few years ago, more, maybe more than that, with that joke. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like bullshit things that craft beer nerds say, you know, yeah, totally. But so you, true, but you know, it's like I had a friend of mine over, um not too long ago when you can have when you could have people back in your house you know and i was showing around the, the brewing stuff in the cellar and he was asking loads of questions about beer and stuff and i was just like you know it's it's great when people are on the start of their journey and they're, they're moving yeah. away from just drinking macro lagers or whatever and yeah. they discover something you know whether it's a giant pour yeah. or even like a punk ipa or whatever and they're like oh yeah. wow you know i had this the other day and you know on the one hand you could be very like punk beer me 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 but like on the other hand, you know, it's like it's, it's yeah. I, I remember drinking those beers and like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and being like, wow, you know, what the hell is this? This is amazing. Yeah, I mean, having a really good selection of craft beer in supermarkets now is awesome for the industry. Yeah, because those people are going to be. So one of the things, one of the reasons why having a tap room is so essential to us, is because we serve the local community, you know. And when we first started, we first opened, people were like, hey, you know, this is there's a brewery open around the corner and they're intrigued. They're not into beer necessarily. You know, they like to drink a bit. They don't, they're not into it in any way whatsoever. 
mm. but they're, they're, in, they're interested in the new local business that's opened or, you know, and supporting that or just seeing what it's like. And then they drink when you're busy and like, ah, oh, it's really nice actually. And before you know it, they're like untapped rating everything. And, you know, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're like, they're, you know, they're into what you're doing and they're trying to new releases and stuff. Whereas before they were asking what lager you have to have, yep. you know, and we're like, well, we've got Kolsch. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's, we call it a lager beer. So people like you are very, it's easy for people to understand, you know, because it's all about communicating with people and not making it. Craft beers kind of stop communicating with people that aren't in the fold. It's like when beer, you get loads of beer names now that are in jokes. Mm. And I'm just not into that because it's, it's so elitist. Yep. You know, I want to make our product easy to understand for, for, for people that aren't that are into craft beer and not into craft beer. Yep. I think that's really important. And I think that, you know, when when we have that customer that the first time they came to our tap room didn't know anything about craft beer and now they're really into the more esoteric beers that we make, that's a win. That's that's what it's all about. Mm. You know? But like the big brands, even like buyouts and stuff like that, I'm I'm uh I'm not entirely on the fence, but um, things like, okay, there's a local bar in Southampton that when we first opened, they wouldn't touch us as a barge pole, even though we went, we've got, we're cool local brewery, beer's nice. They're like, yeah, we like the beer. No one's going to want to buy it. They, they had a Heineken tied uh, uh, fridge. Mm. And so all of a sudden they start selling Beavertown Gamma Ray because of the Heineken uh, yep. buyout, right? They see that sells really well. People are like, hey, we like this. Hey, you, you, you brew a beer a bit like this, don't you? It's like, yeah. You brew an American Pale and they're like, cool, we'll get it in. All of a sudden, we start selling like four cases a week to them because Beaver Town sold out to Heineken. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's there are pros and cons to these things, right? And, mm. and I do think that it's interesting. I think having really, um, I mean, there's a different, there's a different side to, to buyouts as well, which is a bit more nasty, but and certainly those companies practices, but as long as you remain optimistic and take, take these things like people are going to want to shop local and people are going to want to continue to buy something that's a bit more interesting. Yeah. You know, well, I think that that's the thing, particularly buyouts as well. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other night about Canada town. I remember going back, uh, going there to their tap room in like, I think it was like 2015 before they yeah. sold out to AB InBev. Yeah, having a a wicked time, and then this they sold out, and I was gutted at the time and all the rest of it. But actually, you know, Camden Hells is is just way better. Yeah, way better, more consistent. As 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 the the pale. So I I I worked there for what was it a year or something? Oh right, you actually worked there at Camden Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually worked there. Yeah, Uh, before just it was my last job before before I moved back down to Southampton. Right, and um, and. Like, Hell's tasting all right. US Hell's was always really good. Well, um, Pills was always the one that we, that the brewery, the breweries used to drink. And um, uh, it, it was good. It was a good beer. But the pale, I always thought was rubbish because it always had um, loads of DMS. Because <laughs> it's, it's a Pills and Malt base malt. Mm. And um, because they were trying to get, they're, they're brewing like 23 times a week, <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> Four brews a day, you know, it's mental on that kit. It's really getting a, it's proper workout. Um, and so it was just getting rushed. 
like it needed that 90 minute boil but they, mm. they just wouldn't do it because it was get you know because they needed to cram another brew in that day yeah <laughs> um and 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 i had a i had a i was on me and my wife went away for a, for a week um last week and there's a like a little m&s around the corner and so i bought a i had a can of camden pale and it was way better man <laughs> you know it was way better than we were buying before but you know like it's it's interesting really isn't it it's like beer quality doesn't sometimes goes down sometimes doesn't depends what you're brewing like goose island ipa is a is a is a shadow of its former self yeah brewdog brewdog are still independent technically um but they're some of their beers are a shadow of what they were as well independence doesn't mean good well i guess it's probably a conversation you've had many times actually probably on the podcast is that independent doesn't mean good good means good and i want to drink really good beer Mm. so no i want to make sure that the company the company as much as i can because no one can be shot completely ethical because you just don't know but as much as you can you want to know that it's being produced by a company that aren't doing really unethical things yep um which is why heineken can kind of do one but um there's a lot of complexities to these things, uh, which which is why I'm always a little bit more measured and and uh, you know sit on the fence or or I'm not yeah. I'm not one to kind of go around waving my Jimmy Johnson with my public opinion, um, because you know it's there there are so many complexities. Um, yeah. I did a a podcast with um, Tim Dewey from Timothy Taylor's about SBR, yeah. um, although I disagreed with some of what he said. You know, I could see it from his point of view. And one of his parting shots was like, I've been employed as the chief executive of Timothy Taylor to take care of the family's affairs. Like, I'm, of course I'm going to, you know, s- stick up for this brand because that's what I'm employed to do. Yeah. And then- I mean, I think all those bruises, <laughs> it's bloody short-sighted, isn't it? It's like stealing sweets off a child. Do you know what I mean? It's and like- one of the things I said to him, I said, why aren't you supporting a full marketing competitions inquiry mm. against globals? Exactly, yeah. You know, but yeah. they know that if they make it cost neutral for the government, get their their, their extra few grand in their pocket of already the millions that they don't need and they probably never spend. Mm. You know, that's why I just don't get all that shit because it's like, what are you doing with the money? You know, what do they do with that money? Just sit on it. Well, it's about shares, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like it's 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 just a load of numbers on a page to to these people. But most of the world, those numbers on a page is the difference between eating tomorrow or being able to, you know, um, <laughs> survive. You know, um, and and that's what really gets my go is that you know there's there's people that are worrying about having an extra million pounds on their on their profit margin. You know, um, uh, in, where of, of that extra million pound is literally just a number on a page that they can get a nice pat on the back for from their shareholders or you know and in doing that they're putting someone out of business you know that family's livelihood's gone like that, that that that's what's happening it's not numbers on the page it's people that comes back to what you said earlier about um you know about um growing in terms of like growing in terms of like how good you are rather than numerically yeah. um yeah. it's like because like that the the growing numerical thing is a complete capitalist mindset of yeah. you know g- g- growth equals bigger profits what etc cetera, etc cetera. constant growth is constant so growth is an interesting one because constant growth is 
a fallacy. It's impossible because the world is only so big, right? Yep. And so if you're striving for constant growth, you're striving for something that's going to run out, what are you going to do when that runs out? <laughs> you know, like, okay, you'll be dead, so no one will care. You know, I'll be dead. It'll just be my family dealing with it. Right, great. That's a good story. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it is, it's impossible. We're, and one of the world's problems and the reasons why we're in such a state with consumerism and plastics and all the rest of it is because of con- this strive for constant growth. You know, because it's it's unsustainable. Sustainability is the most important thing for a business to be thinking about, and that is financial sustainability and also environmental sustainability. You know, these things are are, are the thing. Like financial sustainability doesn't mean constant growth and profit. It just mm. means some profit to make sure that you can, you know, weather any bad times and 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 you know, make sure that your staff are getting paid properly and you can buy some, you know spend stupid money on vanilla now and again <laughs> you know what I mean like, yeah. it's um you know that is important but that doesn't mean you have to be you know producing 50,000 hectoliters a year of course it doesn't you yeah. know you can be a sustainable business producing you know 1500 liters a year if you you know hectoliters a year if you if you you know if you if you make the right decisions yeah. It's a bit like that joke isn't it where um you know there's an employee stood outside his workplace and his boss pulls a bit of Porsche and his boss gets out. It's like, oh, nice car, boss. He's like, thanks. You know, it's like, you know, kid, you work hard and put in the hours and stuff. Next year, I can afford another one. And it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just it's like, right. exactly. yeah. So, I mean, last question then. Looking into your crystal ball and all the rest of it. I mean, what what do you think the future of craft beer is in the UK from this vantage point here at the end of 2020, where mm-hmm. you know all, all hell's possibly about to break loose in the states. Um, you know, we might have an alien invasion for all we know, like War of the Worlds. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm sure there's going to be a, a couple of breweries sell out to uh, an, another Molson Coors or someone before the end of the oh, year. <laughs> Just that, to really... So, probably not <laughs> investing in anything like anyone else isn't. <laughs> you know, the, everyone's favourite brewery will sell out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where do you think it's all heading? It's, it's, it's impossible to say what's going to happen in the industry right now because most people are just making sure that they can weather the storm, mm. you know. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about what we're going to be brewing next year and our plans for, you know, how, what, what, who, we want to, who we're going to be communicating with and how we're going to develop the business. And, you know, I do want to buy some more tanks, but I want to buy some more tanks, so I want to make some more lager, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. So, and at the moment, we don't have the capacity to do it properly. Um, but, you know, um, the whole industry think probably thinking similar things. It's like, we want to develop what we're doing. We want to see where it's going. We want to, you know, and consumers are probably going, I wonder when the next thing is. Or, or are they going to stop going, when's the next new thing, and actually just start enjoying drinking beer again, you know? Um who knows really it's it's just it's like normally i'll probably have an answer to this question but but it's just too much of a crazy time to tell really yeah fair point so how how can people get all your beers and i would definitely recommend they do having had that barrel aged double export stout (laughs) well uh at your local bottle shop (laughs) yeah there's the answer (laughs) uh and your local bar and if they don't sell it ask them to get it in (laughs) yeah mainly you know like that's 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 the that's the big one 
um, is if your local place doesn't sell our beer, then we can sell it to them. So, so in terms of get it in, um, love to see more of that. Really, word of mouth is a really important thing for us, really, because we don't we're a really small team. We're only four four full time members of staff. Mm. Um, but we do we've got a web shop, um, unitybrewingco.com. You can buy a beer wherever you are in the country on that. Um, and you can see what we've got going on. And you can check out at Unity Brewing Co. on all of the socials uh, to see what we're up to as well. And Happy. send us a message, you know. Happy. Get in touch. We love hearing from people. It's nice when someone sends you. It's like, especially at the moment, if you're enjoying our beer, let's know you're enjoying it. It's, it really helps us get through the, the, the bullshit, you know. Yeah. Happy days. Brilliant. Well, thank you for being on the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast was brought to you by SSV Limited. From tanks to full brew houses, SSV Limited has got you covered. SSV Limited have established themselves as the go-to partner to help you grow your brewery. High quality tanks, parts, brewing kit, coupled with the knowledge and experience to ensure your project runs smoothly from beginning to completion, whether it's equipment supply, fully turnkey or anything in between. Their part shop stocks well over a thousand essential brewing parts to keep your brewery up and running, many of which are available on next day delivery. Visit their website on ssblimited.co.uk. That's ssblimited.co.uk. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Uh,